Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. And today we are talking about a question I get all the time. Hey, Q, what do you think is going to happen with mortgage interest rates? Like, what is it looking like as we go into 2024? Are things going to be better? You know, do you think the Federal Reserve is done? And so what I want to do is get ahead of the curve. So here it is. You're listening to this on December 4th. And uh, we're going to go ahead and do our, our forecast, our crystal ball forecast for rates, if you may, and the housing market in real estate specifically. Uh, you know, we'll tap a little bit into the Jacksonville market as well because our bulk of our audiences from there, but we're going to talk uh, overall projections on real estate and on interest rate forecasts. And, you know, I kind of wanted to get ahead of everyone else's forecast. You know, um, uh, a lot of our, a lot of our friends over, uh, you know, whether it's MBS Highway or over at the Buffini Group and the list goes on and on, they're going to put their forecasts out there and MBS will do the same thing. And, you know, uh, friends at Market Distillery will do the same thing. And I, I love it. I mean, they're great. They're they're accurate. We're all accurate at some point. Um, but I want to take a different approach about mortgage interest rates this year and and give an opportunity to educate our audience onto why we're going to say this. And I kind of want to put a little bit of it in your hands as well to kind of show you how we have formulated that forecast and more importantly, so that you can kind of be nimble with the market. One thing 2023 told us is that things are not going to be what we think they are. <laughs> things aren't what they seem. And so you have to be able to move with the market. You have to be able to shift. And uh, you know, and that's one of the things that I want to share with you today is our approach and how we kind of think about that approach and how we make that shift. You know, one thing in 2023 is I think we saw a forecast at the end of 2022 that said, you know, rates, we just don't see them going above four and a quarter. I think the industry kind of pivoted at like four, seven, five and said, just, I think the highest one I saw there was four, seven, five. Boy, were we all wrong. And I think that's what we learned from 23 is that there's going to be things that, that come out that we're not expecting whether it's bank failure, financial crisis, uh, you know, war, uh, things that are outside of our, our control in other countries, all of those, you, you can't really bake into the forecast, but you have to pivot and make the adjustment. So as we go into 2024, that's what I want to talk about is how we look at those things when those pivots happen. More importantly, some of the things that we've been talking about, I want to show you in a chart. I'm going to get a little analytical on this podcast. So if you get a chance check it out on YouTube because the charts will be on there at what's your one more and you can kind of see exactly what we're talking about and I'll, I'll work on getting my producer Charlie to put those in the in the background as we talk about them but we want to show you the last really 18 to 24 month history of what's going on with the 10-year treasury in particular the 10-year treasury not the fed funds rate because we've kind of hammered that home and I feel like we're all experts at that by this point but there's a lot of attention that's being um not really talked about in the 10-year treasury as far as this show and, and quite frankly, maybe other pundits out there. And this is really where the rate you know, needle is going to move. And it does follow trends. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to take a minute to kind of recap a little bit of 2023. And I'm pull that chart up right now and start with that. You know, when I look at 2023, you know, we, we, we had some, some peaks in there. And one of the peaks that I want to talk about here is really most recently, you know, in, in, in late October, we had that 10-year treasury get up above the five needles. First time we had seen that in quite some time, get above five. And what happened when it got above five is that we saw interest rates get above eight. And I think that was pivotal and really important because it hung at eight for a while. We even got to eight and a quarter in some circumstances. And I think I saw some lenders posting eight and a half during that time. Um, it, it was it was pretty uncomfortable. So that that was kind of the peak of what we saw in 2023. And then some of the lulls we saw in 2023 were back in April when we got down to that 3.2 range and we had interest rates in the sixes. Now, I think that's important as we recap this because there's something that's been going on on that 10-year treasury side that we've been speaking to for quite some time. And that's the disparity, that word disparity. And what I mean by that is 
the difference between the 10-year treasury and the 30-year mortgage interest rate. Now, that disparity is always a gap. Like, for example, you're never going to have a 3% 10-year treasury and a 3% mortgage interest rate. Those things are not going to happen on the 30-year. No, there's always a spread there. So the disparity is what I'm referring to in the form of the spread. Let me back up and kind of show you what I'm talking about. If we go back to December of 21, December of 21, the 10-year treasury was at 1.515, 1.515. The 30-year mortgage interest rate at that time was 3.1. I know we'd all love to go back there. Probably not going to happen for some time, um, but 3.1. That's pretty simple math, close to 1.6. That's a spread. That's a spread. The spread between the treasury and the spread between the 30-year note would have been 1.6 in that scenario. Well, if I go back to the peak of 2023, when I'm talking about it being at five point, I think that the treasury broke five is like 5.15. When it broke that, we're over 8% interest, about eight and a quarter. That's a 3.1 differential. So 1.6 versus 3.1. That's that disparity. That's about 150 basis points. If you recall a few episodes ago, there was a time in which I talked about the letter that was sent to the Federal Reserve from the Mortgage Bank Secure, excuse me, from the uh, Mortgage Bankers Association talking about that spread disparity. That's it. That's that 150 basis points they're referring to. And so that really shouldn't be there. Um, it's there because of the volatility in the market. It's there because it's being priced in, well, excuse me, that that in, that, that volatility is being priced in because no one knows from an investment side and the investors who are buying these mortgages, what's going to happen next. So they're pricing this in as a comfort zone. Eventually that will go away. It will evaporate. And when it does, we will see something in 2024, which we keep referring to as this cliff and the cliff being that 150 basis points of disparity could fall off. And I want to talk about that here as we get into our forecast, but I wanted to recap 2023 in the form of rates and what's happened there. Let's talk a little bit about real estate. Now, this is something that we've really harped out on this show. And if you're a real estate agent, you know exactly what I'm about to say. I mean, prices didn't surrender to the point in which people wanted them to. What I mean by that is this. In some sub-markets, we saw prices actually go up. And we know prices went up overall in the year because we just got informed by the Federal Housing Finance Agency that the conventional loan limit went up. It went up from $726,200 to $766,550. Now, that's no new news to anyone that's listening to this. I'm sure you've heard that because it's been out for a week now. But what that means is that home prices went up because that's measured on an index that they get every month and they total up on the year and come up with a percentage differential from the previous year. And that was a 5% increase. So that means home prices went up. Well, if you go back to 2023, especially in the early onset of 2023, you know, if you paid attention to any news outlet, housing was coming to an end. You know, uh, you saw headlines, bubbles, yeah, foreclosures, I mean, waves, things, these, these, these terms that really try to get your attention and create fear and create you to doubt the real estate market because that that's, that's what people wanted to happen, really. Uh, home prices had gotten so high, people wanted to see them come down that didn't have those homes, right? And so you kind of had this wave of social media influence that was saying, hey, listen, I'm sitting by watching, you know, waiting for these houses to be half the price of what they are today. That didn't happen. Not only did that not happen, it didn't happen on the heels of the highest rates we've seen in over two decades. That shows you that there is a significant supply-demand cycle going on in the real estate market. That shows you that the principle of supply and demand here is going to hold true again. And I think the biggest thing is that 
a lot of people, we preach on this on the show, this is why we are in the education category on Apple and on Spotify, is because our goal here is to help educate you on the nonsense versus the facts so that you can position yourself to be in the driver's seat and not be trailing the pack. And in this particular case, people that go online and they make these reels and they make these videos because they're looking for clickbait or they're looking for you know you to, to just follow them or whatever it is because they're talking about they're waiting for a housing crash or a housing, but it didn't happen. And it didn't happen at the peak of interest rates. Matter of fact, it didn't happen in the highest of interest rates at that eight and a quarter that we saw in October. Applications were up. That's hard to believe, but when rates were at their highest, applications were up, meaning demand is still there. And the home prices went up. And they showed that they went up because of the increase in the actual conforming loan limit, as well as the government loan limits that were increased the same time that day based on the county in which you lived in for FHA. And then VA follows the conventional loan limits and USDA follows suit as well on those uh, on those county limits. So, I mean, when you take a look at this, a lot of the naysayers were just wrong. And I think that they were wrong because they may not have been as educated as as, as our audience is when we share this information with you. So when we go into the real estate and looking forward in 2024, the only thing that has changed is the demand will be greater. The supply is still not getting backfilled at the level of the demand. So we're still going to have more demand, less supply. So what does that mean? When we have more demand, less supply, well, that's a, that's a simple economic formula. We know exactly what's going to happen. The prices are going to go up. And if and when those rates come down in any particular case, that is going to accelerate that price differential from what we have now to what it will be in 2024. So let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about moving forward and, and looking at data, right? So when we look at data, here's some things that the Federal Reserve doesn't take into account that I think is really interesting. And we probably don't give it enough attention on this show is that, you know, we talk about, uh, I love I love this. I, I say this over and over again, but Barry Habib did a great job of saying over MBS Highway that, hey, listen, the Fed is driving a car looking at the rearview mirror, meaning that they are data dependent, but they are looking at data in the past to drive the car forward, meaning that they're looking at lagging data to set policies moving forward. And when you think about that, you can see the flaw in what that is. But in this particular case, what we want to talk about is data that's moving forward. And there's a few instances where we actually get data that's moving forward, and we believe that it doesn't get talked about enough. Even on our show, we don't talk about enough. But the first thing is mortgage applications. Why is that important? We get mortgage applications every single week, meaning we get to see, are they improving or are they going backwards month over month, year over year, based on purchases and refinances. We also get to see job loss claims reports. Those come in every Thursday morning. Matter of fact, we got one this morning. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But job loss claims means that's how many people are going to the unemployment line to claim unemployment. And those numbers reflect a continuing claims of how many people overall are guarding unemployment. And when the Federal Reserve talks about the softening of the labor market, those are things that what they mean. Is the unemployment rate going up? Is the labor market softening? And that's one of their actual you know things that they're touting. They want to see a softening of the labor market. They're positioning themselves at 2% target rate inflation and softening of the labor market. We're getting closer to that 2%. We're not there yet yet, but we're getting closer. Matter of fact, this morning, as we're doing this podcast, the PCE rating, which is the Fed's favorite form of inflation, came out this morning. And they look at the core reading. And, you know, I'm not really going to get into that. We'll do a separate episode on that. But the core reading is where they strip out food and energy. The overall headline reading includes food and energy, and it came down a good bit. But the core reading came in at about 3.5. Well, 
That's not 2%, and their target's 2%, but it is coming down. It's come down a long way from the sevens down to three and a half, so that's good. And we're gradually getting better, but we're not there yet. And then that comes out once a month. But going back to those job claims reports, those come out weekly, that helps us get an idea of what the unemployment market is going to look like. And as you recall, we talked about unemployment went from 3.4 at the beginning of the year to 3.9 is where we are today. And, you know, some people online have commented that we have this huge, strong labor market. And I mean, how could you argue that unemployment's not at an all-time low and that uh, the economy's doing good? And, and people have actually put that comment on our on our socials and our YouTube channel. And the reality is, it's not getting better. And anytime you go from three point four to three point nine, three point four to three point nine, that's a massive jump. Let's don't discount that. That's a massive jump. And I, th- you know, it, there's all sightings that we're going to have something with a four handle on it by the end of the month here. And so uh, going into December, so it, it's not improving. It's actually getting worse. And so I think that um, that's something that's kind of flawed as far as what is being portrayed out there by the media versus what's actually happening on the data coming in. But that's important because it's softening when it's getting worse, it's softening, meaning that the Federal Reserve is actually achieving some of their mandate. You know, the mandate's 2% target rate inflation, and then softening the labor market. We're starting to see those things happen. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that um, because that's important. But going back to the mortgage side of things, if you want to look at data that's moving at real time, once a week when the NBA releases those mortgage application data, what we're looking at is our mortgage applications on purchases, specifically purchases, going up or coming down from the previous week. Really in 2022, it was hard to measure that data against 2021 because we all know that those numbers were off the chart. I mean, the really thing you could only compare 21 to would be 20. Uh, Anything outside of that is not a fair comparison, but now that we're getting into year over year and we're getting outside of that 21 data, we can compare 23 to 22. And then we want to look at moving forward, obviously 24 to 23. But what does that purchase application data look like? Is it going up? Is it getting better? Because if more people are applying for mortgages, that means demand is going up. That means demand and the purchase market's going up. Now, I don't want to discount refinances because those are extremely important as well. But in this particular case of supply versus demand, they're kind of not as important because they're owning the home already. The idea of uh, refinancing doesn't necessarily mean you're selling. It means you're probably trying to unlock some equity. And we did an entire episode on that about three episodes ago. But that's important because now you can kind of front run and see what's going on there in the particular uh, leading data for for mortgage applications. Now, on the real estate side of things, you know, when I speak to a lot of, of real estate agents, for me, they've always told me that pending, excuse me, that um, showings is a leading indicator of how the market is doing. Are showings up or down? I would also say we now can say pendings because pendings are also a leading indicator of properties that have not sold yet, but are under contract. And it shows the market's trend of, are there more pendings than last month? And then there are more showings than the month before. So, you know, those are also things that you can look at and see the details on that to determine the market are up. And if showings are up, that's a good sign. And, you know, I was sitting at a table last night with some real estate agents at a holiday function. And one of them said, hey, it's like a light switch went on. We had a property that was 1.1 million in a neighborhood uh, week prior Hardly any showings. This week, tons of showings under contract. And it was like a light switch went off. Well, 
there, what we're going to talk about, about why that happened here is no coincidence. There was a little bit of a dip in mortgage interest rates, and that little dip has pushed people back into the market that may have been out of the market. And that's just a little dip. And we're going to talk about what happens when it actually goes off that cliff that we've been discussing. So those are things that we don't really hear get talked about enough that for whatever reason in the Fed commentary, that stuff doesn't come out because it, it revolves around housing. And the Federal Reserve is, you know, whether they like it or not, um, they don't they don't want to acknowledge housing, but they're going to have to considering especially how big of a portion of the GDP it is. And you can't run housing off the rails here. And they've been asked about it numerous times, especially about the lock-in effect. And I think that might be the wrong question to Jerome Powell. You know, he keeps getting the question and, you know, I go back to this and in fairness to him, he's being asked about the lock-in effect. And hey, listen, have you and the other 18 members of the Federal Reserve Board, you know, open market committee, have you guys thought about, um, hey, maybe reducing rates so some of these people can get unlocked out of these homes. And and his his answer was justified, which is, hey, listen, we're not making policy so that people can refinance their homes. So I understand that. But I think the bigger question is, um, you know, what does it look like to get the market moving again in the form of purchases? What does it look like for affordability? That's, that's the biggest thing here. Because going back to that letter from the NBA is that if affordability is not there, that's just going to create price pressure moving forward um, at, a, at a very you know uncomfortable rate for people to live. We already have more people working dual jobs, you know, more people working two jobs than ever before. And that's just to live. And so this this ideology of an American dream or affordability, that's that's the goal in which the agencies of Fannie and Freddie are really standing behind. At some point, you know, those have to match up with the current policy of the Federal Reserve. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch as well. So when we talk about the Federal Reserve and they go into this, are they going to have a hard landing or a soft landing going into 2024? You know, I think that when you're looking at data from the rearview mirror and driving forward, that's not going to end well. Um, I think that what they're going to have to do is adjust and learn to land this plane accordingly. And I think their adjustments are going to have to be much different going into 2024 than they were 2023. You know, the Federal Reserve had this tendency to come out and have dovish commentary during the fourth quarter and late third quarter of 2023, which got the hopes of the market going. And then they would crush that with hawkish comments from multiple Fed members or even commentary that were in the Fed minutes and at the podium afterwards. And so I think that I think that they're all going to have to get on the same page at some point. We kind of go, we have to quit playing good cop, bad cop. And each Fed member, you know, kind of posturing in front of a microphone to to garner a result or to get to the top of, you know, the news chains there and get everyone on the same page. You know, and, and here's the thing. I think the Fed is done. I mean, this is the day which was this episode is dropping is December 4th. They will meet the 13th through the 15th. I do not think a rate hike is going to happen. That's nothing new. That's not a bold prediction. I think it's almost at like 98%. They're not going to do anything. But I think the cuts are coming in the first quarter and the cuts to the interest for the Fed funds rate are coming. And here's the only thing that would prevent them from actually reducing the, uh, the Fed funds rate is if the job market stiffens, meaning we stop having the softening that it actually firms up, if you may, if the data firms up, um, if, for example, uh, the PCE starts going up or the CPI starts going up, that would be a warning sign. And that's something that you can follow immediately and say, well, okay, that's an issue. If you start seeing the job market, the unemployment rate starts coming down, that's that's a good that's a sign that it's starting to 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 firm up. And lastly, if those job loss claims, if those jobless claims reports on every Thursday start to dwindle and they start to come down significantly below expectations consistently, 
I think that that is a sign that the Federal Reserve may go back and and either raise rates or not cut rates at that particular case. So the next thing I want to get into is our rate forecast, and I'm going to turn to the chart and talk a little bit about that. But first, this commercial break. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Now comes the time of the show, which is the million dollar question, right? This is where we just get tons of questions. And, and matter of fact, if you're a mortgage lender, this is probably the most popular question you get. And I think it's such a, um, it's it's a pretty overwhelming question because I mean, you normally get this in passing, like a social event or you get it where you're, uh, you know, you're bumping into someone in a real estate office and it's like, hey, you know, like Q, what do you think rates are going to do? And it's like, uh, how much time you got, right? Because the reality is I've got so many different answers for you. I wish I just had one that actually could paint a perfect picture for a particular customer or a real estate agent, but it just doesn't, it doesn't, work like that because 2023 taught us that's how that's going to go. So what I want to do right now is take a moment and kind of go through my logic and take a moment and go through some of the thoughts that we plan on delivering for 2024 and our crystal ball, bold predictions, or, you know, future forecast, whatever you want to call it here. Um, but l- time to take a minute to go through it. That's what I'm trying to say. So I'm going to pull up my chart here. Again, this chart will be in our uh, YouTube channels there for you to take a look at. It'll also be on our website, but our YouTube channel, if you want to check it out, it's at what's your one more with the number one at what's your one more with the number one. So let's get into this. So I, I put together my chart and, and one of the things that I kind of want to start with is I want you to think about channels, um, like channels in the form of ranges, not necessarily if this, then that. Because again, 2023 taught us you can't say, well, if this, then that is is is, is completely true. So where I want to start was where we are today. Currently, as I'm doing this podcast on, uh, what is this, uh, 1130, it's going to drop on 12.4. Uh, the 10-year treasury is at 4.332. Now, I think it's important I had to put the timestamp and date out there because these things change by the second, right? It's, it's the bond market. But I want you to think of this channel that I'm getting ready to describe So what we know is that right now at the beginning of this episode, we talked about the disparity. So let's just use 300 basis points as an example, right? It might be a little bit more, might be a little bit less, but every lender is different on how they do this. But for the most part, 300 is a comfortable number. What we're seeing right now is a disparity of about 300 basis points. So at 4.33 on this actual 10-year treasuries we're doing this, if you added 300 basis points to that, that's 7.33, which would round up to 7.375 on a, on a mortgage note. So I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page with the logic of what we're using. And so mortgage notes always round up to the nearest eighth. So from 7.33 to 7.375, that's where that actual range would start. So what I wanted to say today is that four and a quarter is a very, very, very um, big barrier of entry into the 10-year treasury. There, uh, you know, you could say it's a, you could say it's a, a Fibonacci level. You could say it's a lot of different things. But at four and a quarter, if we break that four and a quarter consistently, and we stay down below that, 
we're going to see some significant downfall in interest rates and some of that disparity might start chipping away. So let's use the range of four and a quarter to 3.75. That's a range, okay? That's a channel that I want to talk about. If we're inside that four and a quarter to 3.75 channel, there is a significant probability we are going to be at six and a half rather quickly. I would aim for that in the first quarter. I would say that between the first quarter and mid second quarter, that's going to be our best shot to get at that. So my forecast would say first quarter to mid-second quarter, six and a half interest rates. I think that that is going to be a huge windfall and a great opportunity there. I also believe that if that happens, real estate agents, mortgage lenders, buckle up. Because I think now that the consumer is saying, hey, if I see something with a six handle on it, I'm ready to go. Affordability is in range. I can see it. I can feel it. Let's go by. Also, what happens during that first quarter is this. If you're a mortgage lender, you take on more applications in the first quarter than you do the third and fourth quarter combined. Check your data. I bet I'm right. And so you're going to find this huge ramp up and seasonality alone shows this. But if you add that in with six and a half interest rates in the first quarter to mid second quarter, late first, mid second, my goodness, you're going to be busier than you were all of 2023 in that range right there because people are going to sell, buyers are going to buy, and the inventory that's available now will be gobbled up. And then there will be those people on the sideline, they're in that lock-in effect, scratching their head going, but yeah, but now we can now we can sell and we don't have to give up as much as a seller and we can take the equity that we're making and go buy the home that we want and we're comfortable at six and a half. I think you're going to see a big opportunity there in that. And that's a combination of seasonality and a combination of that rate drop that we believe will happen. Moving into late second quarter. You know, remember in 2024, we're also in an election year. That's very important because every candidate wants to stand up at that podium and talk about how strong the economy is. Also, the American people, if they feel good about where they are as a household, typically the incumbent gets the benefit of the doubt in that. So you can also see a situation to where as we go deeper into that second quarter, rates may fall down again. And if we get below that 3.75 range, now I'm talking 3.75 to 3.35. That's the next channel, 3.75 to 3.35. That's on the 10-year treasury, 3.75 to 3.35. I believe you can add 200 basis points to that, and that's going to be your interest rate. I think if we get into that zone and it stays consistent, that's the big thing here. And I want to take just a second to talk about the consistency. Consistent doesn't mean two weeks. Consistent doesn't mean three weeks. And it doesn't mean four weeks. It means 12 weeks. Not one month, three months. If we're three months continuing of declining 10-year treasury, and continuing of um, PCE readings coming down, job loss claims going up. If we see a three-month trend line of those things happening, we will see that disparity start to evaporate, and we will start to see the investors become more uncomfortable, excuse me, more comfortable with the current market that's happening at that time, and we will be able to take 200 basis points and add it to the 10-year treasury. I do believe you can see that in the late second quarter in the summer months of this season. 
I believe that has always been the prime seasonality, but I believe that's going to be the prime time for interest rates. And I believe that is when you're going to have that opportunity for that five handle to come out. It may sneak out there for about a 5.875, 5.75, but I believe that is when it's going to happen. You can feel it brewing. You can see it in the data that's coming. And in that forward approaching data, you can see that demand building. And a lot of demand has different appetites out there, whether it's price or interest rates. But if the interest rates cooperate, which I believe they will this year, I think you're going to have a great opportunity there. You know, the mortgage industry right now has this theme going that's, uh, uh, it's kind of sad. You hear it all the time, survive to 25. I don't necessarily buy into that. Um, I think there were a lot of bad moves made in 23. I think there were a lot of people that really kind of threw their hat in the ring and said, hey, we're going to double down for the summer of 23. And it just didn't happen, right? So they made some bad business decisions and a lot of companies consolidated someone out of business. But I don't think that the survive to 25 is, is quite the mantra that I'm going to buy into. I think there's going to be tremendous opportunity in 2024. I do think we'll continue to see the consolidation of the market, whether it's in mortgage and real estate, because just bad planning and bad decision making, more importantly, denial has happened. That could be the case. But I think there will be massive opportunities in 2024. And I do think you're going to get some interest rate relief. Um, and I think 25 could provide further relief. But I think you're going to start to see a little bit of, instead of like a cliff where, you, you know, if you, if you ever jumped off a cliff before, you know, when you're, you know, younger, it was a, it was a, it was a free fall, right? And then you would, you would hit the water and, you know, and, and, and you'd be glad that it was, the, the, the jump was over with. I'm not saying the rates are going to do a cliff dive. I'm saying that it might be a slow step down to the bottom. You may be taking a staircase down to the bottom and it may be in a more gradual manner that's more digestible to the market. The other thing is this, you know, if you're a mortgage lender, I mean, ask yourself, do you want rates to jump off a cliff or do you want them to gradually step down? I mean, it's kind of thing about if you had a pipeline locked full of people and rates dropped dramatically, there's a high probability you lose those people, right? Because they go to another lender or they're back sold and now you're you're trying to do the same thing to someone else's pipeline. That's that's disaster. You don't want that. And it's an immense amount of pressure to the mortgage-backed securities market and your rate lock department as well. So you don't want that to happen. What you want is that gradual step down. And I think want versus reality is exactly what's going to happen in 2024. I think there's going to be a gradual step down. I do think there'll be some setbacks. Um, just like in 2023, there were some things that we couldn't forecast. Um, you know, we were on our way to slight rate relief in 2023 especially right before the mortgage banking crisis took place with SVB. When that happened, we were at a fork in the road in 2023. The Federal Reserve could have either said, hey, listen, you knew the rules. Sorry, bank collapse, bank failure. Had they done that, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. The rates would have corrected themselves along with the other policies that were kind of, you know, kicked down the road and are now readdressing, that stuff would have taken care of itself. But because the Federal Reserve stepped in and backstopped that bank, because the ideology of making the depositors whole, that's what kind of kicked the can down the road and recorrected the rates. And you can see it in that chart that I brought up there on the screen. You could see where we were heading in where we were in March of 23. And then all of a sudden the spike happened and we went all the way back up in April. And so those are things that we can't forecast going into 2024, but I do believe there will be more challenges. As I've talked about on this show before, I think the Federal Reserve is going to continue to go until they break something. Even if they hold rates at where they are now, it's still applying pressure to the financial banking system and the consumer credit, and it's still tightening the market. And so I think until they start to loosen 
some of that tightening grip, there's still going to be pressure and a bottleneck in that financial system that could happen. Um, I don't know exactly what that is, but I do anticipate something coming down the road unless we go into that first quarter and they start reducing that tightening by reducing the Fed funds rate. So hopefully that is the case and that's what we see. And as we go into the third quarter, I think we're going to see stability more so in the form of interest rates and and Fed funds rates than we saw in the third quarter of 2023. And in the fourth quarter, I think we'll start to see some relief come back in. Ultimately, overall, my rate forecast is that we are going to remain at an average interest rate of 6.75 heading into 2024. That would be my average interest rate. But again, if you listen to the quarters and how I broke them down, I think there's a reasoning for that. I think we're going to get a peak. We're going to get a peak at a 5.875 this year, and it won't be for a uh, long amount of time. It'll be for a limited amount of time, and then I think we'll remain that stability in the mid-sixes to 6.75 range. That would be my forecast going into 2024. Um, a couple of things to think about here. What could cause this 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 to maybe this market to kind of accelerate, right? I always look at that too. It's the supply versus demand. I can't say that enough. If mortgage applications continue to go up at the rate in which they're going up and we start to see more demand enter the market, we've already talked about the generational gap and what's happening. We've already talked about the home buyers that are coming to the market that are turning of age, the current home buyers. Remember this, the home buyer that's sitting on the sideline right now, and I've talked to many real estate agents about this, is that move up buyer. That move up buyer is sitting on the sideline, which means they're not even in the demand pool right now. And we're seeing significant demand go up now and they haven't even come back. Why? Because they're locked into their current, you know, interest rate into their home and the equity along with that. If they re-enter the market, that'll be a surge back into the demand pool. We don't have enough supply to offset that. And, you know, you could almost say it's going to be like a musical chairs. Buy, sell, buy, or I guess it'd be sell, buy. Put my home for sale, buy another home. Put my home for sale, buy another home. It's that musical chair cycle that starts to happen where you're just, you're flipping the same supply over and over again, but you're not really adding new supply to the market. And the builders are doing the best they can, but they can't keep up with that, which means price points are going to go up. Interesting statistic. I saw yesterday where 54%, this is kind of speaks to that demand pool I'm talking about, 54% of all new construction homes that are closing are first-time home buyers. 54%, highest it's ever been. So that tells you the, the person that's at the market right now and where we're missing that move up buyer. Traditionally speaking, that is that move up buyer buying that new construction. Right now it's the first time home buyer because they're going, hey, why do I want to go buy a home that costs as much as this new construction and I get a new construction and a new home versus a home that's not new that I may have to add to. That's that theology that we're seeing in the market right now as well. The other thing is this, if days on market get down below 20 like in COVID, we were in the teens, and in some cases, single digits. If it gets down to that, oh boy, price points are going to go through the roof. And it, it will be something like we haven't, you know, we, well, I guess we haven't seen since COVID, but it's going to be something, right? And I think it's because it's less supply. It may be something a little bit more daunting than what we took on in 21 and 20. And then last but not least, this is the, this is the comment that I like to look at here is that Society has to live, right? We have to move on. We're going to continue to uh, get married. We're going to continue to expand our family. We're going to continue to live, right? Regardless of inflation, regardless of what the Federal Reserve is saying that they want people to stop doing, these are things that are going to happen, which means we're going to need houses and we're going to need places to live. And without that new supply coming to the market, the current supply is here is either going to have to work for the people that are looking to buy a home and the price points are going to go up. And if those rent interest rates drop at the level in which I believe they're going to drop, that is going to be absorbed by the seller in the form of the price point going up. And I think the biggest challenge I see in all this is that, unfortunately, we have 19 unelected officials 
they get to make this decision and get to kind of gauge the direction of which that's going. And I don't believe that should be the case. So guys, if you like what you're hearing, please five-star review our, our podcast, go to Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and then check us out on our socials at what's your one more with the number one at what's your one more with the number one. Until next time, we'll see you guys at what's your one more. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it one more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put them all into it, yeah